From the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, this is Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. Injured in Georgia? Make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. Injury Insider is presented by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs. Hello and welcome to Injury Insider with Derek Hayes on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. This show will answer legal questions and debunk personal injury myths with insight and expertise. For nearly 25 years, Derek Hayes has exclusively represented injured parties in Georgia. Now he'd like to put that knowledge to work for you. My name is Lita Brooks. Before we begin, a quick reminder that Injury Insider is brought to you by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs, and by the law office of Derek M. Hayes. Injured in Georgia? Make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. Let's get started. We have a fantastic show for you today. We have some unfinished business from the last show to address. Yes, we do. All right, Derek, today, yes, I want you to announce the winner. So let's do a little recap. On the last show, you did sort of the second installment of Crazy Lawsuits, which was everybody's favorite show from last year. So you did some digging and pulled out some absolutely crazy, jaw-dropping, unbelievable lawsuits from around the world. I understand you had many more votes and more incredible responses than you did the first time, which I can absolutely understand. All right, tell us about the responses. Yeah, well, actually, like you said, I almost had double the number of votes this time as I did the last time. And this time the votes covered several states, which was also interesting. I think last time I maybe had two or three different states, but this time a lot more. So it kind of tells a lot about the listeners. I also had only one crazy lawsuit that I used in the show that did not get any votes at all. But last time, I think I had a total of three that didn't get any votes at all. So I think the ones this time kind of touched a little bit, at least with everybody, and all got votes. Now, the voting was very close, but I do have the top three to announce, kind of like we did the last time we did this. Okay, great. I cannot wait to hear, and I can't wait to find out if the one I voted for made the cut. If you remember, I picked Uber ruined my marriage. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) I just sneezed. (laughs) <laughs> Uber ruined my marriage case. Did that wind up in the top three? Yes. Bless you, by the way. Yes, it did. In fact, thank you. <laughs> it was it was number three. So the Uber ruined my marriage. That was the one where the guy sued Uber for forty eight million dollars in two thousand seventeen because the app was on his wife's cell phone, and every time he called for an Uber, it alerted her to his whereabouts while he was using it. And so as a result, he he was caught in places where he shouldn't have been, we'll just say it that way, in the company of other women that weren't his wife. So that's why it led to, unfortunately, the end of his marriage and a $48 million lawsuit that was dismissed that he pursued against Uber. So that was number three. Number two is the one we called, Can Someone Make Me a Sandwich? Do you remember that one? Give me, give us a few bullet points on that one. All right, so that was the case involving oh, the woman oh, in Oklahoma. the, the Winnebago. Right, yes. right. She bought the Winnebago with uh, cr- cruise control. And I can only yes. think that this may have been right as cruise control was uh, initially featured on vehicles. And so while driving down the interstate, she engaged the cru- cruise control and she got out of her seat, the driver's seat, to go make a sandwich. So I guess she's thinking, all right, I'm going to motor home. 
I'm Cruz and I can go make a sandwich. Well, unfortunately, that didn't work, as you can imagine. And as a result of that, she uh, sued Winnebago, the Winnebago Corporation, and she won. She was awarded $1,750,000 and also a brand new motor home. Wow. I, yeah. Both sides of this are speechless because I can't believe that. Can I say that she was dumb enough? I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's just such common sense. Maybe that's the wrong way to put it. Sorry this even happened and that she filed suit but then she was awarded 107 no 1 million a, a mil- 1 million dollars and the brand and new, new motor, motor mm-hmm. i mean it's i don't know well, okay all right that is crazy and i i'm just amazed that a jury gave her anything do you have any idea why or how they, they would have given her anything. What's your take on this? Well, there wasn't enough written about the, the lawsuit. I just got the very basic bullet points, but it's kind of a guess. But um, I would have to say that it had a lot to do with the description of cruise control in the owner's manual. And it may have described it as something that you could set and let it drive itself. Um, you know, the terminology, which in reality, we understand what that means now because cruise control is a very common thing on vehicles. But if it was right about the time cruise control had just come out and it's described as something that you can set and let the vehicle drive itself. Well, she took that literally. So arguably, the jury may have believed that it was confusing and, and caused her to assume that it could drive itself. And that's why she got up. But either way, it still makes for the crazy lawsuit list. Yes, it sure does. All right. It's time to announce the winner for this installment of Crazy Lawsuits. Which one was it? Well, it was the one that many people had actually heard about. In fact, I know here in the studio when we covered this one, everybody knew about this one. Uh, but not really everybody knew how it ended. And it was the one called Wendy's Finger. Do you remember that? Yes, of course. Yep. Of well, course. this is the yeah. case where the lady sued Wendy's Corporation, claiming that she had found the tip of a finger in her bowl of chili. Uh, it happened in San Jose, California. We talked about that. And the publicity that came from the story, you know, about a fingertip being found in a bowl of chili, wound up costing Wendy's Corporation approximately $21 million in sales. And it cut their business in that part of California by nearly 50%. Uh, eventually, the, the outcome from, from this was the lady that uh, had, had claimed that she found the finger in her chili was arrested and found guilty of attempting to extort money from Wendy's. If you recall, we talked about uh, the fact that she wound up serving four years out of a nine-year sentence, and she's permanently banned from Wendy's. So the crazy part, or well, among everything else, was the finger was eventually traced to a friend of hers and her husband's that had lost uh, the tip of it in a work accident. And apparently he owed the couple $100. So instead of paying $100, he gave them the tip of his finger. And then that's what she decided to put in the bowl of chili to extort what she thought would be millions of dollars out of Wendy's. But instead, it, it kind of uh, the finger came back and pointed at her, so to speak. So on the show, I knew about the Wendy's finger I think most people have. It's almost like the McDonald's lawsuit that you've covered a couple of times. But I had no idea how it ended. I had no idea it was false. I had no idea it was a setup. All I heard was the the top half of the story. And I told you I eat chili a lot. I love it. And I have always thought about that case and had no idea uh, really, truly how it ended up. So I could see that being the winner because I think, like you said, you had so many votes from so many different states everyone has heard of this case yeah that's it um yeah it did so much damage to wendy's as a company and then again the the press on this was not quite as loud 
when right. it was found to all be false. That, that's another key point, too. It, it, it's not as sensational when you come out and say, oh, by the way, it was fraud. Uh, that wasn't really a fingertip that w- was you know, lost by somebody working for Wendy's. She actually brought it in, I assume, in a Ziploc bag and dropped it in there. But, yeah, you didn't hear that part. It's kind of interesting. No. Well, maybe Wendy's will give you some props for bringing light to this case and, and finally bringing it full circle to them out I'm here good on your podcast. I'm good yeah, with that. Yeah, right? All right. Well, I encourage everyone listening to this show, go back and listen to all the other crazy lawsuits from that episode. This is a funny show. It is a crazy show. Uh, We did a show, like we said earlier about this last year. I cannot tell you how many times Derek and I will go out to dinner. We'll go to a party, barbecue. And this is topic of conversation. You want to floor people, like make their mouth drop, start bringing up some of these crazy lawsuits. It's fascinating but not necessarily in a good way right exactly um yeah and then see if you agree with top three you are always welcome to vote even though we're not holding a contest you you know please please feel like you can submit your comments and questions and at the end of the show we'll tell you how to do that all right we're going to move on to today's topic and derek i understand that the idea for this show started from a listener's question and you've done that before with other shows so anyone listening to anything, uh, keep in mind, Derek may build a show around your question. So feel free to submit. What is today's question? Well, this question, I, I believe it came from one of the younger listeners um, based on some of the other information she shared. Um, apparently, she just got out of college. She's dealing with some problems regarding people that have said things about her uh, that, that clearly were negative and untruthful. Um, but I'm talking about more than just rumors and gossip. Uh, the actual question is very basic, but the answer can be very detailed. And her question is very simply, can I sue someone for spreading rumors? Think about That's that. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. We've all, everyone, I don't think there's any person on the planet who has escaped a rumor about them some sometime or some way. This is a very loaded topic, and I'm sure many people are curious about for many reasons. Um, all right, Derek, how do you answer it? So it starts with the basics. Um, the simple answer to our question is yes, you can sue someone for spreading rumors, but there's a lot more to determine before you go that route. Uh, what we're talking about is defamation. That's the umbrella, defamation. Now, defamation can take two different parts. Uh, it, it's a tort, uh, which, again, we've defined torts before. A tort is... A, um, a civil wrong caused by someone else, not a criminal wrong, uh, it can lead to civil legal liability and financial compensation. Um, it's not a crime that leads to punishment. It's uh, more, a, like I said, a civil wrong that can lead to compensation. Um, so we're talking about a tort, again, a harm uh, caused to someone else. So defamation is the umbrella. Under that umbrella, you've got two things. You've got libel and you've got slander. So libel is written definition. That's simplifying as best we can. So if it's something in writing, it's libel. If it's something that's simply verbal, it's it's considered to be slander. Uh, so slander is spoken definition, uh, spoken defamation rather, and libel is written defamation. So there are two simple distinctions and definitions of those terms, but it goes way deeper than just um, you know anybody can imagine. A person who has been defamed can sue the person who did the defaming for those damages, those civil damages. Okay. Well, I think we've heard the terms libel and slander, but I would best that most 
people confuse the two frequently. I know I do. Yeah, they, they do. Um, so they're both forms of defamation. Like I said, in Georgia, the elements of defamation claims are, number one, a false statement about the plaintiff. And that key word is, is there, and it, it's, again, it's, it's that important, a false statement. It's communication of the statement to a third party in the absence of a special privilege to do so. So a communication would be either written, like we talked about, which is libel, or verbal, which is slander. And then finally, the fault of the defendant amounting to at least uh, some sort of negligence and, and ultimately harm or damage to the person. So you have to determine what is libel and what is slander. So according to the Georgia Code here, Section 51-5-1, libel is defined, and this is the definition. It's uh, defined as a false and malicious defamation of another expressed in print, writing, pictures, or signs tending to injure the reputation of the person and exposing him or her to public hatred, contempt, or ridicule. So that's the statutory definition of libel here in Georgia. So libel must be a false, harmful statement that's written down or published in print or online. So even think about things like social media. Um, you know, something about somebody's posted something on Instagram or Facebook or any of the other social media platforms, but can also be in the comments. So if somebody posts a picture and somebody makes a comment that that's libelous, and again, it's in writing, then that can be an actionable issue of tort uh, negligence and someone can be compensated for that. So the Georgia Code section for slander is 51-5-4. And slander is defined under the code section as oral definition. So a, a spoken, false, and harmful statement that links the subject of the statement to certain criminal activity, uh, the having of certain diseases or uh, debasing acts, or that harms the subject's uh, trade or profession, or that results in what we call special damages that would be expected to flow naturally from that statement. Um, so if a statement meets the definition of slander in terms of the subject matter and the impact, but it's written uh, or otherwise published, it's libel. If it's not written, it remains slander. Um, so again, that that's the Georgia statutory definition of it. It just seems really tough to prove. It seems a lot of he, shed, he said, she said. That's all I keep thinking of. I mean, the definitions are very clear, but it is such a gray area. Am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong. And it is. It's very difficult to prove. So there are several things that you have to look for in pursuing a claim Again, the umbrella term defamation and then figuring out whether or not it's slanderous or it's libelous. So to prove a prima facie case, a basic case of defamation, you must show really, again, those four things we, we kind of talked about. You've got to have a false statement. You've got to have publication or communication that the statement of the statement to a third person. You've got to have fault amounting to at least negligence. And then finally, the damages. There's got to be some sort of harm caused to the person or the entity who is the subject of the statement. So if you think about the first part, false statement. So truth is a defense. So if the statement is true, whatever somebody says or writes, then there is no claim for slander or libel because truth is an absolute defense to that. The statement even must, if you don't like it. Yeah, exactly. Even if even if you don't like it, That's as it. long as it's the truth. If okay? it's a truthful statement, then so be it. Um, and you've got to show that that injury or that harm we talked about. So injuries would be to your reputation, to your your business. Um, you know, somebody's lost work. Somebody's been shunned by their neighbors, their friends, their families, or even harassed as a result of something somebody has said that was not true. Again, a false statement. All right. Well, give some examples, will you? 
So an example of a defamatory statement uh, may be something like an accusation against a public official, somebody taking a bribe okay. or taking a kickback, uh, which would also, of course, be a crime. Um, so you're assuming the allegation is presented as a fact. You talk about uh, a public service commissioner who you allege has taken money from someone to uh, build a power plant and, and therefore the money was under the table a bribe and you state that as fact that can be defamatory and it becomes either libelous if it's written or slanderous if it's simply spoken another consideration um, that is the standard is far more difficult for a public figure so if you've got a public figure who lives their life in the public eye the standard for a defamatory statement whether it's libelous or slanderous is a lot higher than someone who's not a public figure, a private person. So public figures are more out there in the open and their lives are subject to a much higher standard, more um, you know, publications, magazines, newspapers, TV programs talking about them. So if you think about celebrities, there are all kinds of things that come out in magazines that are probably not true, but yet it's more difficult because of their public lifestyle. So um, if it's an opinion, think about this, not, not stated as fact, but stated as an opinion, um, it's not considered to be false or defamatory because it's subject to the person who made that statement. So I can have an opinion and state my opinion. But if I say it as a matter of fact, that's different. You follow me? And I'm going through examples in my head, you know, of city officials. I mean, you hear things on the news. And even if I'm just this is completely hypothetical. We're not talking about anyone specific. But if they had taken a bribe. But back to what you said about the truth is the absolute defense. Even if they were found to have taken that bribe, it may not be defamation. They may have criminal charges, but it, it's not libel or slander, correct. right? Because it was proven. Correct, correct. So, uh, again, think, think about this. Um, if I talk about another attorney or talk about a doctor and I say, well, you know, I don't really trust them. I don't think they're a great attorney. I don't think they're a great, ado great doctor. Well, that's purely my opinion. That's not libelous. It's not slanderous. It doesn't meet the definition because I'm not stating that as a fact. I'm stating an opinion. I don't think they're a good doctor. I don't think they're a good attorney. So I'm entitled to that opinion. But what I'm not entitled to, to do is, is to create false facts and state something as fact. If I say John Doe doctor, he lost his license to practice medicine. That guy's an idiot. Or if I say John Doe lawyer lost his license to practice law, he's an idiot. Well, I've stated a fact. I've claimed that they truly lost their license to practice. And if that's not truthful, if it turns out that that's completely false, that they haven't lost their license to practice medicine or haven't lost their license to practice law, well, then that's where you start looking at libel or slander because I've stated something that is factual. In reality, that's not an opinion to say they've lost their license. Either they did or they didn't. They're, it's, it's black and white. It's not an opinion that somebody's lost their license. They either did or they didn't. So that in and of itself, as I'm stating it as a fact, is libelous or slanderous, again, depending on whether or not, whether or not I spoke it or I wrote it. I could have written it on a Facebook comment. You know, somebody takes a picture of a doctor and post it, uh, hey, I went to see Dr. John Doe, the guy, uh, he's a great doctor, something like that. And then I make a comment, no, no, that guy's an idiot. He lost his license to practice medicine. Well, I've then libeled him because I wrote something that was not truthful and stated it as fact. You see what I mean? So, oh, yeah. All right. Let me ask you this. So someone voices a negative opinion about you publicly. They can't be held responsible for it, even if you're harmed by the statement. 
Am I, is that a summary as of what you just were explaining? Yes. Now, now I, I don't want to state that as a hard, fast rule because there always are exceptions that a court will sure. determine. However, generally, yes, if you simply state an opinion about someone, then that in and of itself is protected. You, you have an opinion. That's fine. You're entitled to it. Your opinion may be wrong, but that doesn't mean that you've libeled or slandered them. You may have formed an opinion based on you know, something that uh, was a personal experience with that person. But to state a fact, again, you know, Dr. John Doe was fired from the group of doctors he's been with for 20 years because they caught him stealing money from the, the medical practice. Well, if I state that as fact and there's no fact mm -hmm. to that, it's simply, you know, something I've created in my mind. Well, then that in and of itself would be libelous or slanderous. On the other hand, if it turns out that's truly what happened. John Doe lost his um, privileges with a group or was fired from a group because it turns out John was pocketing money that was intended to go into the practice. Instead, he was putting it in his pocket. Well, then that is, uh, again, a, a true fact, and therefore there is no libel or slander because I've stated fact. What if this example takes the gossip turn where it's, I heard he or she was going to lo lose his license. That's one of so those. So it's not an opinion, but it's kind of that gray area where well, I believe they're in trouble. I believe they're a bad doctor, but it's not a hard, hard fact. You're exactly right to refer to it as a gray area. How many times do you hear attorneys? In fact, you have heard me say this, I'm sure many times, and that is allegedly or purportedly somebody has done something. Well, I've heard that so-and-so supposedly did this. Well, I'm not stating as a fact because I've qualified my statement. Do you see what I mean? Sure. If, yes, if I, I state it as as you know something more than an opinion, if I say John Doe uh, lost his license to practice medicine, that's one thing. But if I say, well, allegedly John Doe lost his license to practice medicine, again, I'm not stating it as a fact. I'm saying, well, yeah, supposedly that's what's happened. I don't know that. But again, it, it's a very, very fine line in a gray area that you walk there. So what do you look for in determining whether or not to file suit in a defamation case? So there are really five basic elements that you have to look for in being able to prove, again, a prima facie case. You have to have somebody that uh, has made the statement that is considered to be defamatory. In other words, a defendant, someone who, whether they printed it, wrote it, uh, put it on a Facebook uh, comment or, or a Facebook page or Twitter, whatever it may have been. You've got to have somebody that's committed that defamation. Secondly, uh, if it's a published statement, then you need a copy of that published statement, which, of course, would be libel. Um, you've got to show that the statement caused injury. There has to be some sort of harm. Next, it's and again, we, we've referred to this multiple times, the statement must be false, cannot be true. And then the statement is, is not privileged. So privileged information that you share with your doctor or with your attorney things like that. So uh, generally, if somebody talks to me as their attorney, I can't share the information. There are exceptions to that rule in case, uh, you know, a judge orders me to disclose certain things in, in a proceeding in court about the uh, confidential things a client may have shared with me, I can be ordered to do that. Um, and that would exclude me from libel or slander if I've been ordered to by a court to, to discuss whatever that information may be. Give us some examples, will you? That's, that, you know, I love the cases. Give yeah, us some cases that we may know. Probably a couple of the most prominent cases. Um, one is specific here to Metro Atlanta. Of course, we're here in Georgia. We're in Metro Atlanta doing the podcast. And that's Richard Jewell. Everybody knows who Richard Jewell mm. is. Think about the Olympic Park bombing, um, you know, the village right. bombing. So 
Richard Joel, to, to quickly summarize the story, he's the security guard that's working there at the Olympic Village. Uh, it's a night with her concerts, all kinds of activity going on, and, and a bomb is planted. Uh, you may or may not remember the guy's name, but it was Eric Robert Rudolph uh, that was eventually uh, caught and, and charged and convicted of, of the actual bombing. But Richard Joel was just doing his job. And he found a package, a backpack, with the bomb in it. And he tried desperately to alert everyone and clear the area. Uh, had it not been for his actions, it likely would have been a lot more fatal. Many more people would have died or been maimed or injured as a result of the bomb going off. But he did clear a significant part of the area around where the bomb was planted. Uh, recently, Clint Eastwood made a movie. Uh, I think it was called Jewel. Uh, you and I saw that. And it, it was covered, a fantastic movie. Yeah, it covered yeah. exactly what Richard Jewell did, but it also covered what happened to him after the fact. He was blasted by the media. He was made out to be a loser that lived with his mom and had had many jobs and couldn't keep a job. He was desperately wanted to be a cop and wasn't able to be a cop and could only be a security guard. He uh, had worked at a college campus, and, and the movie kind of goes into all that, but uh, multiple media outlets from the Atlanta Journal here in, in Metro Atlanta to CNN to all the news networks basically accused him uh, very you know, aggressively as being the, the one who planted the bomb and started questioning whether or not he truly uh, simp simply happened to find the bomb and alert everybody or if he was the cause of the bomb being there. And he wound up uh, getting an attorney and, and pursuing libel and slander charges against multiple outlets, multiple media outlets. And very publicly, uh, he was able to get a significant outcome and a significant verdict against many of these these companies. Um, and again, it was purely false. It was all uh, made out to be that Richard Jewell was a bad guy. And instead, he was somewhat of a hero that saved many lives. But yet he. Um, he suffered harm. I mean, all those elements were there. It was false. It was defamatory in nature. It, it caused injury. Uh, it caused him to lose work. It caused him to not be able to, to get an income. Uh, you had pretty, pretty much made his life a living hell. You just, your heart bleeds for him, especially when you watch that movie. That's an excellent example. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. got one more? Yeah. One a, more a, more, a more recent example. Um, people may not know the name, but Nicholas Sandman, was a kid from a Catholic school that was in D.C. with a school trip. And as he and his friends were waiting on a bus, I believe, to, to pick him up, take him to the next landmark or to continue their tour, a, a protester was was marching in the area and marched up to uh, Nicholas Sandman and, and began banging a drum uh, directly in his face. And it, it appeared as though in the video that was broadcast throughout the news networks and even stories in the newspaper that, that Nicholas Sandman had sought out the protester, stood in his way and was uh, preventing him from being able to march and was mocking him. And they made it out as if uh, Nicholas Sandman was really the bad guy, that, that he was creating a confrontation out of nothing and that, that he was um, uh, that there was some element of, of it being racially motivated, but ultimately it turns out that when the full video was released, which is about a 15 or 20 minute video, he was sitting and, and waiting on a bus with his friends when this protester singled him out and walked directly up to him, started the, the confrontation and banged the drum repeatedly in the kid's face. And instead of doing anything or pushing or, you know, uh, uh, mocking the guy or spitting in his face or any of those things that he was accused of, he just stood there. And, and in fact, at one point, the, the kids even kind of uh, sang along with the protesters. Uh, but that's not the story that came out on the news. They made him out to be the the bad guy. And, and as a result, the Catholic school wound up with bomb threats. 
they, they received a lot of negative publicity. He was blasted as a teenage kid throughout the entire country as being this really, really bad guy. And when the, the truth came out, so to speak, it showed that it was the complete opposite. As a result of that, he, too, filed suit against many, many media outlets, newspapers, TV shows, and did receive a significant verdict, most of them, either a verdict or a significant settlement from many of them. So those are very, very high-profile examples of libel and slander where private citizens, um, you know, for him, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, so to speak, and, and wound up getting accused of, of being this really, really awful kid. And then for Richard Jewell, he was in the right place at the right time, and he found a bomb and, and prevented a lot of loss of life, but he was still blasted and, and made out to be a very bad guy. So those, to me, were textbook examples of libel and slander that I think virtually everybody's familiar with. Wow. Uh, yeah, I wasn't aware of the Sandman, Nicholas Sandman case, but of course the Richard Jewell, and I'm sure there's many, many more that we could talk about, uh, but unfortunately we are out of time for the show today, but before we wrap up, I you have to tell all of your listeners, how can they submit questions, how can they find you? Uh, if they need representation, if they've been injured, uh, how do you find Derek M. Hayes? Well, before I do that, I just thought of a neat little way to tie the package together with the top of the show and the, the topic of the show, and that is the Wendy's, that? Uh, the Wendy's fingertip. So that $21 million in lost profits was a result of someone making a false statement against Wendy's. Now, Wendy's likely made the decision to not pursue a libel or, or, or slander claim against the individual, the lady, because I'm sure she had no resource to step in and pay a verdict that would have compensated them for the $21 million in lost business they had. Uh, but that's a well, good example. Well, if she couldn't even pay her friend $100 <laughs> exactly. she had to get a finger, right, right, right. then I'm sure they're not going to get their $21 million. Yeah, there you but, go. There you yeah, go. But I just happen to think about really that. really interesting. That was the winner of the crazy lawsuits. Yeah. You're right. Huh. Well, yeah. we didn't even plan that. No, that no, it just kind of dawned on me as we were talking about it. All right. So back Very to the, the cool. ways to find me. You can start with my website. It's Derek, D-E-R-E-K, the letter M as in Matthew, Hayes, H-A-Y-S.com. So Derek M. Hayes.com. On my website, you'll see a drop-down feature where you can ask questions directly of me. You can send me a question through my podcast tab, a uh, question to answer in a future show or a topic to cover. Uh, a lot of the votes that came in for the crazy lawsuits came through that podcast tab. There's also, too, a, a portion where you could submit a question about a potential claim. Uh, I don't ask for anything other than very basic points. I can call you and discuss that with you. The initial consultation is always free. So it doesn't cost anything to simply reach out and, and get a couple of answers to questions. You may uh, be concerned about something that's happened to you or a family member and, and call and ask. I'll be happy to discuss it with you. You can also find me on my social media, uh, the law office of Derek M. Hayes on Facebook or on Twitter, also on Instagram. My phone number is 678-225-0970 or 404-777-HERT. Thank you so much for joining us on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes, presented by Status Home Design and the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Don't forget that you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. This program is also available on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, for Derek Hayes, I'm Lita Brooks, and you've been listening to Injury Insider on Business Radio X. 